Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Jika and welcome to Out of the Blue. Today, the Sunday, the 24th of November 2019. Um, you are here on 3CR, 855 AM on Out of the Blue. And in the studio today, Cade Mills from the Victorian National Parks Association and our presenter, Matt, and I am Fum. We will be back with, for you with Weedy Sea Dragons and the Fish Count in a tick. I'm Philippe Cousteau from Earth Echo International, and you're listening to Out of the Blue, 855 AM, 3CR's Marine and Ocean News Program. Help 3CR support the rights of Indigenous Australians. They mean to save our culture and save our dreams, our footprints, dreams, our songline, and keep our culture going strong. Of course, a lot of the Aboriginals, having been stolen, were put into state care, and also others the recognition were... recognition of what our people have been through in the last 200 years, the recognition of our culture in the last 40,000 years, and the recognition of where we are heading into the future. Welcome to uh, Survival Day, Invasion Day. 223 years ago, the white man landed on our shores. Subscribe to 3CR and help keep Indigenous voices on air. Call us on 94198377 or visit 3cr.org.au. Subscribe now. Indeed, subscribe now. Welcome to Out of the Blue. You're on 3CR 855 AM. Uh, my name is Fum. My co-presenter here is Matt today and in the studio, Cade Mills from the Victorian National Parks Association. And today is all about Weedy Sea Dragons fish counting, and possibly some whale poo. So, uh, yeah, let's get right into it. <laughs> hey, hey, so, Cade, uh, you are kind of the Weedy Sea Dragon Man of Melbourne, in a research, like Dr. Weedy. Not the, not the Seedy Weed Dragon Man? <laughs> no, Is that a different guy? <laughs> I think I saw him at oh, the front no, no, earlier. No, 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 that's the same guy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Weedy Sea Dragons are uh, Victoria's uh, marine emblem, and they're found all throughout. But uh, what is a Weedy Sea Dragon, Cade? Great question, Matt, to kick it off. Um, it's nothing like your Game of Thrones Weedy Sea, sea uh, Game of Thrones Dragon at all. It's 
basically it's related to pipefish. So it looks pipefish are kind of uh, eel-like looking, but the weedy sea dragon's a little bit more elongated. It's a cross between that and a seahorse. Um, it's a seahorse that's kind of been stretched out. I guess would be one way of describing it. Really long <laughs> snout, so very long snout for feeding. And instead of having the big pot belly sort of underneath its snout, it's sort of pushed out behind it with quite a long tail. And the long tail is quite important for part of its life cycle. Hmm, well, that um, would be the eggs, wouldn't it? Bright purple protein balls it carries around. You know them quite well, Matt. I've seen some beautiful photos of yours recently coming out of, with all the um, males carrying around the eggs. So sort of like seahorses, the males do the um, raising, I guess, of the young until they're ready to enter the world. They are basically doing that right at the moment. So, Do you know how they do that? You know how they how, – because they carry the eggs on the tail – and the eggs are kind of like embedded in the skin, or how do they carry those eggs? I've always wondered. Yeah, so what they do is, so in the lead up to um, that, I guess the breeding cycle, which I'm pretty sure is water temperature dependent. So sort of late October, November is when you'll start to see the fresh pink eggs. The male's tail becomes quite spongy, and you can actually, if you look for it in images, and I've looked at quite a few images over time now, you can actually see it starts to sort of thicken up a little bit, and it basically becomes like a sponge so you know when you put something on a sponge it sort of sinks into it and then i'm i'm guessing and i don't know the actual sort of physically what happens around it it just shapes and cups around the eggs yeah and sort of holds them in place it almost defies gravity because they are on the underside of the tail and you would think they would drop off but obviously there's good adhesion there with the eggs sort of sticking to it and so there is a video online by a guy called pang kwong who's probably victoria's uh, most amazing observer. I reckon he would be the, the weedy sea dragon man, wouldn't yeah, he? Yeah, he like can have the weedy sea well dragon, I'll be the seedy weed man, yeah. and then we can work side <laughs> by side. Yeah. But he's, he's spent a long time sort of documenting and observing weedy sea dragons, and um, he showed some footage of the actual exchange. So I think, he's, I think he's the only person in the world that's actually recorded this exchange. Yeah. So even the aquarium. So in Melbourne Aquarium, they breed weedy sea dragons in captivity, and you would think you could capture that image, that footage in an aquarium, but even they have sort of they go away they turn around and like ah they've done it damn yeah but they just keep missing it so he has that footage and you can actually see the female they will come out of the internal sort of body cavity and there's just these beautiful pink like pearls like almost like pearl necklaces that come out and then the male sort of swims up and they will basically join together and then the male sort of dance kind of whirling around each other sort of well apparently the four plays for like a couple of weeks it can be for quite a long time so what we see in that sort of small interaction when the eggs come across the actual dancing and all that stuff can actually go on for weeks kind of in the lead up so they're very romantic yeah sea creatures these ones yeah it's not they're not just there to reproduce they have a bit of fun beforehand yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) there's there's actually a pair i've noticed over the last few weeks at one of the dive sites that have been hanging around and dancing and i'm like i get to spend two hours a week with them there's no way i'm gonna get that footage right it's crazy well that's that's interesting so do you have photos of them like over time um, yeah, over the last week or two, one or two snaps. They're hard to get together. When they see you having a peek, they're kind of like, oh, we're stopping now. And you're like, Ooh, don't want to disturb the love. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, who, It's like sea dragon porn. Yeah, <laughs> you know? It's it's, like, why is this guy with a camera in our face right yeah. now? It's so uncomfortable. And they don't have blinds they can draw to no, sort of right. lock you out. Yeah. <laughs> they're just in there. But, um, yeah, and so with the um, sea dragons, they've got kind of like a fingerprint, don't they, with all the spots. And that's part of what Dragon Quest, which is your area. Yeah. 
Yeah, so Dragon Quest is a project I'm running through the Victorian National Parks Association and it came about because I saw some amazing work that other researchers were doing. So in Sydney, in New South Wales, so, um, Professor Dave Booth and Selma Clantine up there have been doing some stuff where they're using, yeah, the, the pattern on the side of a weedy sea dragon to identify individuals. So kind of like a fingerprint, like your right and your left-hand side. Unfortunately, weedies have the same issue where both sides are different. So you can capture one side, but you kind of need both sides to clearly identify it as that individual. But they, similar to whale sharks and manta rays, they just map the spots. And those spots, um, after they're about a year old, the juveniles, unlike leopards, change their spots as they grow up. Um, but after about a year or so, those spots sort of settle. And you can use a very simple bit of software to identify the individuals. And then what you're able to do with that, with the most impressive thing, is it's like a mark recapture study. So a lot of times, particularly with fisheries, they catch a fish, they put a tag in it, they set it free, and they hope someone catches it again. And then you have that information of it was caught here and it was this big and this sex, and then it was caught here and it was like this. So you get that type of information. But what we can do with the weedy sea dragons is actually survey a location or survey an area where they are photograph all of them that's it they're tagged now i know where those individuals are you can go back a set period of time later photograph everyone that's there again and using some well reasonably simple sort of statistical modeling you can actually get an idea of the size of that population based on how many you saw the second time that were there the first time and then how many new individuals you have coming into that population and it gives you an idea without really harming them apart from disturbing their lovemaking routine that you do Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it's a pretty epic name dragon quest right so it kind of suggests that you're going out there and you are doing stuff with dragons so how have you been have how have you been organizing these these trips like what's, what's so it started there? being with the the guys from the university of um, technology sydney they were doing sort of annual trips down and it started through that and then i guess it just got me thinking that there's such a popular creature among divers so a lot of people travel around the world to see weedy sea dragons and everyone takes a photo and everyone tries to get those side profile photos which is what we need to identify the individual so my i guess bit i added to the project was like how about we see what's out there and what people have and if people would be willing to help collect that information just by taking photos of weedy sea dragons and it's not a hard ask to say look if you're out diving and you see a weedy sea dragon take a photo and send it in because most people are doing that anyway so we've been able to get the community to help which has been i think the highlight of it i just received my hundredth submission from a community member the other day amazing so we've had some people who have submitted multiple times um so we've had over 70 people submit but we've had like a hundred submissions and we're heading up towards five thousand images have been submitted of weedy sea dragons. And so, unfortunately, I can't use all of them, varying quality, varying angles and things like yeah. that. But that's a huge amount of data. And it's from everything from, you know, two days ago to some of the stuff's baiting uh, dates back to about 2006, 2007. So there's some older images, which unfortunately those weedy sea dragons wouldn't be around now. They tend to only live for about 10 years. But it would just be great Still to Still pretty that. good for a fish. It's a pretty good life, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think once they, they run the gauntlet when they're born, so we're talking about yeah. the pink eggs before, when they come out, they're like a few mil long um, and they're just tasty little fish food. Yeah, they're type a fair thing. game for everyone else. Yeah, because they, they do have quite a tough, I guess, like their skeleton. They're pretty much skin and bones when you look at them. There's not much flesh yeah i've seen i've seen a dried one on the beach once and it's really just this really leathery tough 
exterior really doesn't look tasty at all. No, and I don't think much. I don't think they're preyed upon by much as long as they survive that sort of early juvenile yeah. sort of life stage, which I think is very common for a lot of fish. It's um, yeah, that's they've got to run the gauntlet for that bit. And yeah, if they can I mean, make it to a certain size, then look, there's still things, issues, but they tend to be able to survive quite Yeah, well. and that's why we need things like seagrass beds and vegetation on the seafloor. So those little little tiny critters can have shelter well, there. They've got to they hide somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It'll be there. Yeah. Um, and if people want to take photos of sea dragons, what are some tips that you would recommend? Yeah, I what think, would you like to see? No, I think the wrong person is going to be answering this ah. question, given Matt <laughs> is one of the most prolific underwater photographers of weedy sea dragons we have going around. But I'm really interested in Port Phillip Bay, um, basically because that's where the funding for this particular project is. The images coming from Flinders I've been doing on my own time, which I'm still interested in. I just don't have as much time to Yeah, because that's our them. hot spot, isn't it, in Victoria? If you want to go and see the weedy sea dragons, Flinders is Flinders a good is the spot. place yeah. to start. Yeah. Especially Pier. the northerlies, northerly winds. Go there, people. It's amazing. Yeah, and the westerlies as well. It's nice and protected. Um, but Portsea Pier does have quite a few there. But I'm also really interested in spots outside of these known locations. So people do dive in other locations. And recently, someone sent me an image that they'd taken of a weedy sea dragon off the Canberra. Oh, wow. So, which is out um, off Barwon Heads there, or out off Ocean Grove in about 30-odd metres deep. And there was a photo of a little weedy sea dragon hanging out the front of that. And so then they turn up in a few other locations sort of in those deeper spots. I'm really quite interested in images like that from odd spots because I want to know whether those individuals uh, are in any way had been recited at other locations because most of what we know about weedy sea dragons scientifically comes from New South Wales. So a lot of the work has been done in New South Wales and it's based on you know, populations around uh, Botany Bay and sort of further south and north of there. But we don't really know what the population in Victoria behaves like. And one of the things they found is that they, in New South Wales, they tend to only move anywhere up to about 800 metres. They're like, yeah. They would go and spot the same individuals constantly and that was their range. So they're not yeah. moving very far. They've got quite a small sort of home range. And already we've had an image that was submitted at Portsea. Um, six months later, someone submitted another image they'd taken out at Sorrento, diving where the ferry docks, mm-hmm. when the ferry obviously wasn't operating because... Hopefully, It'd be a good time to be yeah. there. And an individual had moved in six months had moved four kilometres. So yeah, and it's, it's interesting with the Canberra as well because that's a very isolated dive spot. It's just there's only sand there. I mean, last time I was there. Yeah, and I'm guessing I don't quite know. They they have very low dispersal range because they yeah. hatch as like miniature adults. They can sort of swim and they can move through the water columns, get to the bottom and sort of find places to bunker down. So they're not dispersing over large ranges like a lot of fish larvae will hit the surface and get dispersed by winds and currents and that. I, the same sort of principle things don't operate on weedy sea dragons. So something like that, like it could have just been a poor weedy that got caught in a current or who yeah. knows what's sort of going on. But it's, it's like the only lonely weedy on the Canberra. I know, looking for a mate. <laughs> I know, oh, somebody yeah, to dance yeah, with. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks for that, Kate. And uh, if people want to get on board with Dragon Quest, where do they go? If they just if they type in Dragon Quest, they end up with all sorts of amazing stuff that's completely <laughs> unrelated to Very what, nerdy, probably, as well. Yeah, what we're doing. There are, there's actually a game called Dragon Quest out there. That does not surprise me. So if they, the Victorian National Parks Association website, uh, they can find out there. Or there's actually a Facebook group that someone started up for me, which has been really active in getting photos. So it's just Weedy Sea Dragons Melbourne. 
um, and can join that. It's a private group, but it's sort of open to anyone if you can join that and then start seeing some of the stories and send Fantastic. images Fantastic. And we will put a link to that on our Facebook page of Out of the Blue as well. Uh, we are going to go to a song at the moment. And when we get back, uh, we will keep talking with Cade about the Great Victorian Fish Count that is on at the moment. And uh, in the meantime, enjoy this song by Archie Roach. <laughs> Sitting here in a lonely old guest house I'm sure that my life is all through Scratching fleas and watching the gray mouse I'm making love to the memory of you For without you I'm weak and uncertain And I feel so naked and cold Like a window without any curtain My innermost feelings unfold The drink I just had wasn't as bad as the first But drinking won't do When it's only for you I thirst I thirst For your kiss It quenches or burning It's sweeter Then the sweetest of wine Now you're gone I find myself yearning For the love that I left behind Nobody can heal The pain that I feel inside And if I said I'm strong And I'm never wrong I've lied I've lied to Power from the Margins, 3CR's broadcast for International Day of People with Disability on 3rd of December 
from 7am to 7pm will feature BIPOC perspectives, live music, artists and discussions. For details, visit 3cr.org.au forward slash Disability Day 2019. Indeed, and you are back on Out of the Blue with Matt and Farm and Cade. And uh, you are listening to 855 AM on 3CR. And today we're talking about Weedy Sea Dragons and Dragon Quest, which is a uh, new citizen science initiative by the Victoria National Parks Association that you can get on board with. And before we go to the fish count, also by the VNPA, uh, we were just talking about um, some really interesting observations that Matt, as a, a nature and underwater photographer, made. Matt, talk to us about these Weedy Sea Dragons photos you've taken. Well, as we mentioned before, we like to like see the sea dragons um from their side so we can id their spots and uh when i was taking photos i noticed they're always looking at me with their left eye and so all my photos are from the left side and as kate said earlier there's different spots on different sides and so i was going through the photos and uh luckily the main side for the sea dragon dragon quest is the left side but i was like why is that and it Turns out something of like horses have it. I think you were saying yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm, I, I like to train horses in my spare time. I've been, I'm a total horse girl. I've been doing it my whole life. And when you train horses, um, because they have an eye on either side of their head. Um, it means, you know, and just like with humans, the eyes are connected to the opposite part of the brain. Now, when a horse is doesn't trust something or trust a person to be in his personal space or do some stuff with them, they will tend to look at you with their left eye. And that left eye then connects to the right part of the brain, which is the fight and flight reflex. So if you can get a horse to really trust you, you'll start noticing that he's very comfortable looking at you out of his right eye as well. Right? So... I thought maybe it has something to do with the danger part of the brain. Yeah, I, I the think the location that, of that. Yeah, it must be it. Like it must be the exact same as a horse brain, but just in a sea dragon, <laughs> yeah. kind of like a seahorse. Although, know? what are they going to do though? Because they can't really swim very fast, right? Like, what if they see danger? How are they going to solve that problem? They can attack with their snout. No. There was there's footage. No. <laughs> <laughs> not, a human, not a human. Not a human. Watch out. <laughs> But there is footage of uh, fish trying to take the eggs off the tail because when they come oh, out, yes, they're bright pink. And they, as Matt said, they're little protein balls. They'd be delicious caviar. Oh, yeah, totally. And so fish, particularly, it looks like blue throat wrasse, they're quite in, weed whiting, quite yeah. into it. And they can actually sort of, they'll have a go at their tail. And so they'll swim to avoid it, but they'll also sort of lash out with their snout. What do they do? Like stab a wrasse? No, it's more when, like the, <laughs> almost the feeding it. They sort of flick it out sort of towards it just yeah. to let it know that it's not happy. At all. So I, well, I don't know if it would do any damage. <laughs> I doubt just, it would, I'm but just, it's got to do something. I'm just picturing this weedy sea dragon dad just going, go away, go away, go away, you rats, go away, these are my eggs. <laughs> Which is another thing, actually, Matt had brought up, um, schools of males hanging out together. So oh, yeah, safety in numbers. Has been observed, yeah, and that mm-hmm. idea. And um, we went out for a dive on Wednesday to try and find weedy sea dragons as part of the program. And I came back to we did we found one so had 20 divers doing <laughs> yeah. two dives outside the hedge we found one for the okay. whole time oh, this poor I jumped in at Portsy Pier afterwards and I found six males sitting together in one oh, spot oh the dream all <laughs> looking after each other yeah 
And I joked they were sitting around nattering about not being able to eat soft cheeses while pregnant. But... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, so, so do you have any do you have any tips for photographers? Because you want to have either side of the sea dragon, or like, what do people need to submit? Either side, both sides, whatever they get is fine. Yeah, with uh, just after the images. Yeah, as side on as as possible to get the side to and to have the spot sort of clearly in focus is the main one. The main thing is enjoy your dive and don't sort of harm them. But if you're there and you get some photos... And if you get a photo of the right-hand side of a sea dragon, you get extra points? Because it trusts you? <laughs> yeah. You just get the trust, respect and admiration of that sea dragon yeah, that's while right. you're in there. Then, then yes. you're a good diver. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And uh, you have another announcement to make. Well, not really an announcement because it's already started, but the Great Victorian Fish Count is on. It is. So that's been running for 15 years this year. We're celebrating. So it's been going for a long time. I haven't been going in that position for that long. But yeah, so actually there's a group out today doing it. We've got a whole lot of families out there at Rye Pier and then... Basically, any local dive group, so the local community groups at Marine Care, Ricketts Point, Point Cook, uh, Jawbone, Jawbone yeah. as well, Mushroom Reef, Barwon Heads Bluff, um, Eagle Rock have just recently done theirs. But if you jump on the Parks Victoria site, they'll actually have the groups that are about to do them or just jump on the VMPA's website and we have all the upcoming dives. But it's you take a slate out. On that slate, you have a picture of the fish. It's like a treasure hunt. You're looking for those fish when you go out. And we've got some sharks and rays on the other side. And they're all friendly sharks and rays, we like to say. Um, <laughs> Disclaimer. <and> yes. <laughs> no great whites involved. No, none at all. But if you see one and you get a photo, we'd love to see it. Oh, hell yeah. It's, yeah. But <laughs> we get groups all across the coast going out to do a, a basic survey of the fish in, in locations that are all over the place. And so they'll dive as a group. They'll mark off the fish as they see them. The categories are pretty simple. One, a few lots, and then send the data in. And we've been compiling that data over the last 15 years and most recently actually looking the data for the last sort of few years to look at really broad changes of like are these fish still being found in the same amount of locations um not so much abundance changes but just getting some information on what's there but to be honest one of the main things just to get people out in the water it's just a way to kick start the dive season people to blow all the spiders out of their snorkels and get back out there and get on board we are running one with bay play on the 7th saturday the 7th of december um at 10 o'clock and a 12 o'clock snorkel it's for beginners so if you're out there and you've wanted to give it a go or it's been a while since you've got in the water, just give Bayplay a call um, down at Portsea there and I'll be down there for both of those sessions and it's just an excuse to get in the water. It's only 10 bucks, so we subsidise most of the costs of you getting out there. And it's more just, I think there's only so much you can do conservation-wise by sitting around looking on the surface. You really need to get in, put your head under, have yeah, a look, realise how amazing it is yeah. and then go, all right, this is why we're doing all the work we're doing and particularly with the stuff that I know you're doing fun with plastics and that when people start to see some of that underwater, they're shocked, horrified, but also it's a bit of a call to arms and, and action. Yeah, absolutely. It really opens people's eyes and, and what, I, what I really like about this year's fish count is that people if you've never snorkeled before or if you want to take your kids and have a snorkel instructor there with you 10 bucks and yeah. you can learn to snorkel that is a bargain trust me um so if you want to do this in a way you know that is safe for you and the kids and come along and while you're learning to snorkel you can help out and uh, do something for the environment as well so that's actually really fantastic i love it and if you have a camera and you take a photo of a weedy sea dragon i can use that as well look at all these overlapping <laughs> product placement in there I know, it's fantastic I know. isn't it's it it's working very very yes. well yeah uh matt we um we were talking about this before but um 
you probably also saw this this photo come past on Facebook about this massive whale poo. Yeah. I didn't like, read it, but what was happening there? I think I I think it's actually had a bit of diarrhea or something, but they they reckon it was about a, a two hundred kilo um poop. And if you haven't if you haven't seen the image, have a look online. And it is the blue whale, the world's biggest animal, and it is done or ma- like a mammal, and it is doing a giant poo, and it, it it span it must span like I reckon twenty meters long. Yeah, and also what struck me was how fluorescent it was, or was that is that real, or was that just touched up on the photo? I reckon what it could think? be real. I mean, they eat a lot of krill and a lot of bioluminescent animals and stuff, and I reckon it might have been pooping out bioluminescent krill or something. Oh, my God. That is hilarious. Um, Yeah, so 200 kilos. We are so happy that animal lives in the ocean and not on the land. (laughs) I imagine that. Curious to the smell. No, I'm not curious. Not at all. You don't want to be in the water when that happens? (laughs) I am not curious about that smell at all. Uh, But it was was quite amazing. And it's drone footage as well, isn't it? I mean, the the drones, drones and the environment. I mean, magic is happening these days. There are some amazing shots and videos of drone footage coming out about whales and the natural behavior in the wild as well uh, that we would never have been able to observe if it weren't for drones. It's quite exciting stuff. And, Mm. yeah, sometimes you get to see an animal poop. Well, it's actually (laughs) becoming part of the curriculum for some of the university courses. Whale poo? No. (laughs) (laughs) That could be following drones. Oh, droning, yes. Droning is actually droning on is part of your degree. (laughs) As we all know, yes. All right, that is all we have time for today. Thank you so much for coming in, Cade, uh, from the VMPA. Get on board with the Fish Count. We will put some links on our Facebook page. This was Out of the Blue on 3CR 855 AM. Find us digital, find us live, and we are also podcasting. So check out the 3CR website on 3cr.org.au and go to Out of the Blue to download all of our podcasts in case you've missed anything. Next up, we are going to listen to Sally with Out of the Pan.